You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. Well, I am glad you're here this morning. Um, I This is, it's amazing because... In my mind, I sit around thinking about like how excited I am about the series, what we're talking about. I don't think the coronavirus is particularly targeted towards shutting down the church at Rutledge. As a, but you know, you think about, you know, I think about things like the Book of Job and how Satan went before God and challenged and then inflicted him with boils and did all kinds of stuff to him, and then. Um, here I am trying to do a, I'm just so excited, and I'm like, this has fired me up as much as anything the last five years to talk about sharing our faith with people, and then there's going to be this virus comes out that tries to isolate everybody. So, you know, I, those things go through your mind of what's the, you know, in the grand scheme of things, not just, you know, economies and all that stuff that we sometimes worry about, but what is, how does this all playing out? In, more, in a bigger level spiritually for us. Not to over-spiritualize things, but sorry, this is what pastors do. We sit around and think about those things, okay? Um, but I'm glad you're here. I am excited about the next few weeks. Easter is coming, and so hopefully you are using that opportunity to invite as many people as possible to church for Easter. Christmas and Easter are just still great times as much as we in church go, everybody shows up Christmas and Easter and we make our CEO jokes and all that stuff. Um, it's still it, it's still the best time to introduce your neighbor, your friend, your co-worker um, to faith and, and to to your church because they're more li- they are more likely to come at that time. So it's just a great opportunity and an open door for you at that time. So utilize that. There are, there's key times in people's lives. We talked about this a little bit at men's Bible study, which you ought to come to it to Monday nights. It's great. Seven o'clock, we meet back there. There's always a dessert. Um, I'm the only one that drinks hot tea. I fig- figured out. Um, there's usually some coffee for the for the non-tea men, which I would say for the real men. But see, tea originally was considered a man's drink and coffee was a woman's drink. That was back in when it all started originally. And then somewhere along the lines that changed and for why, I don't know, but I love coffee and tea. I'll talk about coffee here in a minute a little more. Um, but anyway, um, now I forgot what I was talking about altogether. Men's Bible study, 7 o'clock. Um, women's Bible study on Tuesdays. What time is that? 9.45? See, I don't go to that one, obviously, so... That's why I don't know what time it is, but that happens. And so um, I totally lost what I was talking about, but just great times. Easter and Christmas, just invite people to church. Um, We'll just go there. Um, But Sunday mornings, do that. But this series is all about possibilities. That's where we want to go is to understand what the Scripture says. Um, This series is all about possibilities. Our focus for the next few weeks comes from 1 Corinthians 9, uh, which I shared last week. And the key verses in there, verses 22 and 23 say, To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means 
I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And I use the NIV here this morning. I know you guys know I'm, I'm pretty much a hardcore, you know, there's those King James folks that's hardcore. I'm like hardcore NASB version of the Bible because it is the most accurate. I say that every time, but I'm just telling you, it's the most accurate word-for-word translation. Okay, but I'm using NIV this morning because I like the way it says, by all means possible. Okay. Because just like I said, Craig Rochelle says we'll do anything short of sin to reach people with the gospel. Okay, There are possibilities out there that sometimes we rule out, that we throw in a sin category, that we just got to be careful and say, what, 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 what am I willing to do to lead people to Christ, for them to find this? And so for mo- most Christians here in the South, it seems like that there's little that's possible. You know what I mean? In our tr- we just act like we have to walk this narrow deal here uh, of legalism and and we're very narrow in what we're willing to do to reach people for Christ and or we think well this person isn't they're never going to change it's not even possible for them to come to Christ which somebody probably used to think that about you okay but we, we either think we can't do certain things go certain places be involved in certain things in any manner or they think, why try? People often get in that thing. Why try? Because people say no, or they get offended, or we think this person will never change. We get in both those categories. And I, I want the Holy Spirit during this series up through Easter to kind of push us out of that box. Okay? So yes, we talked about in the Acts 2 passage last week, the early church gathered like we are gathered here today. They gathered in the temple courts, it says in chapter 2 for teaching and worship, and yes, they gathered from house to house, um, doing life together, deep fellowship, as we do in small groups. But the major mandate and what what the teaching in temple courts and what the gathering in small groups and doing life together, encouraging each other, helping each other up when we fall, shoulder to cry on, somebody to celebrate with, what all that hopefully fuels and results in is people who understand the gospel and what it means to go out there for and share the gospel with other people. Okay, that's the ultimate end result of what God is doing in the church and trying to get us to do. If that is not the result of us gathering here, our small groups, if it's not to fuel us to go out and as Paul will say, to serve others so that we can win them to Christ. If that's not the end result, then something is wrong somewhere in our life with Christ. Because He clearly commands it. That's what we're going to talk about. And I know it scares people to death. We talk about this word evangelism, and I let's just I'm going to stay away from that word a lot during this series because that has certain connotations that saved and lost people alike just go, ooh, right? Even though it's a biblical word and it's what it is, right? But we just want to share Jesus with people. We just, want, we just want to let them know about the one thing we found as greater than any other thing that, that, as one pastor put it, it's the irreducible minimum for our lives. Okay, That the beauty of walking together in small groups and gathering together for worship and teaching is, is made complete Okay, when it is shared with the world. And I want our thinking to be correct that when your small group grows, 
and people are loving it and it's getting bigger and we're inviting people more people are coming and oh we love this and all of a sudden if you start noticing there's people sitting behind the circle and they're not talking as much as the others and and but yet we're all loving it in the big group and all that stuff right that that we should do whatever it takes to birth a group out of that and share that with more people. It, that it would result in giving birth to a new group, that this would result in planting a new church, um, th that that progression would happen. Like that's the ultimate goal. Not that our small group would get bigger. It's not a small group anymore. It's this, okay? So, so understand that. But all people, the, the bottom line for what I want to talk about today is all people on this planet are looking for fulfillment and purpose for their lives. They just are. I mean, everybody is, okay? Would you agree with that? You, you, you might call it fulfillment. Um, you might say living out our, you know, having a purpose for your life, however you want to word that. Having meaning to all this, right? And everyone is looking for Jesus himself would call it real life, okay? Which involves that purpose and meaning. And real life is what we have found in Jesus. And so you've heard me say for years, right? The, the person looking for life, real life in drugs and alcohol is looking for what I have found in Jesus. The person looking for real life in relationship after relationship or sexual adventure after adventure or whatever it is they are in relationships is looking for what I have found in Jesus. The person looking for real life in the next possession, the next acclaim or notoriety or pat on the back or, man, aren't you great? The person seeking those things is really looking for what we have found in Jesus, right? Material possession, whatever it may be. So we need to let people know about Jesus because that's the only thing that's ever going to fully satisfy that longing inside. And we live in a really fragile world. Hello? I mean, you can look around in here this morning and you get the grasp of what's happening and you go, you know, life is, we're fragile. It's fragile. So this coronavirus deal reminds us we're fragile. I, I started reminiscing going through this, preparing for this about Hurricane Katrina. And when that happened, and us running down there to, you know, somebody in our church, a family member died, and we hauled down a 55-gallon drum of diesel fuel to trade with the funeral home, so they'd dig the grave and do the burial. They didn't want money. They wanted a barrel of fuel. So we went down and traded a barrel of fuel to get this person buried, and... Um, and we got stopped on the way, because we didn't haul it in a legal manner, I don't think, but... They were really loose at that time with everything that was going on. But we had a cattle trailer full of fuel. You know, it was one of those things that you got if you got caught outside of a situation like that, they'd probably go, so what federal building are you going to, you know? Um, but it, but we, and, and you'd stop along the way. I just remember stopping at gas stations because we were trying to conserve our fuel and get there with as much fuel as possible. So you'd, you'd hear these guys, truckers on the radio, hey, such such exit's got fuel or whatever, because it was wiped out. Phones weren't working, uh, what have you. Um, and, and so, I mean, you'd pull into one, we, I remember pulling into one gas station, and we, as we're pulling in, you look over and you see 
There's nobody in this parking lot, nobody there, and there's just a single pickup truck backed up to the front doors, and there's a guy sitting on the tailgate just looking at us. And you're like, I think he's waiting on us to leave, you know, because it's like people were looting places. like I mean, he had his truck backed up to the front door because we had stopped at other places, and I'm like, there's people going in and out of this store, so I'm going to go in and see if they've got a Coke or something. You walk in, and every shelf is empty. It's turned over. People are ransacking the whole place, and you're just like, Okay, I'm gonna go get back in the truck now. You know, he's just like, this is not the store I want to be in. I mean, it was it was crazy. And so you start thinking about it makes when you're in the midst of those things, much less the people that had to stay there and live through that. You know, because I was coming back home eventually. You start figuring out the things that you can really do without, right? And you start figuring out what really matters, and what you can, what minimum you can deal with, right? I mean, the tornadoes in, in Tennessee recently reminds us that life is fragile. Fragile. I, th- I think I think back to the Bean Station. And I was called there as a chaplain when the Bean Station drugstore shooting happened a few years back. Um, it just reminds you that our community is fragile. The next ca- chaplain call will once again remind me that our Community is fragile, life is fragile, and and I and there's but we have to understand this. We know that in this world we might not be able to be safe, but we can be secure in Jesus. There is hope beyond all this. Everything may look tough on the outside, and I say that about our community because you you get through things like. What happened to Mean Station? You get through hurricanes, you get through tornadoes, and and we may seem like, man, we've got it together and we're tough. We look tough on the outside, but our our community pe- people are fragile, really. I mean, just look at the recent flooding around here, and you think it gets you thinking, you know. And then you look at the forecast, and we got another week of rain, right? Imagine getting stuck somewhere in a line of cars and can't go anywhere, water rising ahead or behind. and It's just like Katrina. You, all those things go through your mind of, I don't know if I, am I the only one that sits around and considers these things? Like when flooding happens, all this, you go, well, if I was there and this happened or you're watching it on TV and you're going, if that was me, right? You consider those things. What if I'm sitting in those cars and there's water ahead, water behind, and everything's rising? You go, what What's life really? All? In those moments, you can reduce it down to what's important to me right now. Like you really, in that moment, don't care what kind of car you're driving, do you? Well, unless it can turn into a boat, right? Unless you can go go gadget or something. But you're thinking, it really doesn't. All you're thinking about is how do I survive and get back to be with those who I love, and are they okay? I mean, that's that's what really comes down to what you think about. Um, so, so when people reduce things down and they're sitting around their home and they're they're looking for fulfillment and purpose, is what it all really comes down to. What, why am I here? Is is what people come, what it boils down to, and and that's why people come to church. They're looking for something. And, and the, the positive side of this is, regardless of what you might think, I'm seeing more and more that people are actually open 
to possibilities to find purpose and meaning for life. They're open to conversation, even about Christianity. It's been a while since I've had anybody get aggravated at me and, and just get mad because I talked to them about Jesus. It, it really has. If you let people know you have found real joy in life, peace in life, purpose for being alive, then people want to know, well, where, where, where'd you get that? Where's that come from? How do you have that? If that's displayed in your life that you're that way, people are open and they're seeking. People are hurting and they want to know, how, how are you dealing with things the way you are? Now, if you're here and you haven't found what I'm talking about, still not sure, or maybe you're listening online, you're still not sure about who Jesus is and about church, I'm hoping people relax and that people you invite, because I'm that's going to be the push through Easter is the people that you invite or talk to Jesus about. They'll just relax because this is a great place to explore that, as you know if you've been here for a while, because we just want people to know that God loves them, that He cares about them. And and we here at TCAR don't have that insider's club mentality, right? We have a God-shaped mentality and want His best for all people as well and don't want anybody to miss out on what we have found. And we don't want our we don't we don't force anybody to believe what we believe. Right? I mean there's a lot of places they want to grab you by the hand, drag you down front, just beat you to death with it and, and just push, push, push. I think it's the Holy Spirit's job to do that. I just want to lay out truth. I just want to love you, let you know what you need to know and let God do his part. I don't do his part. We don't force our belief on anybody. It's not what we do. We don't have a thought of we're going to make you believe what we believe. That's just not what we do. We're not going to force you to make a decision. You can force people to make decisions, but you can't force them to be in love with Jesus. And that just does them no good. Okay? So to get back to coffee, it's why I I personally, it's, it's like this. It's like how I personally love coffee. I'm a coffee nerd, as I've been told. That's what one person at a coffee shop, okay? The barista at the coffee shop called me a coffee nerd, okay? So you know it's pretty serious, right? My wife can tell you, Andrew can tell you, those that know me well, when I go somewhere, and Andrew's the same way, by the way, okay? And he's converted Becca, I believe, um, to coffeeism. I don't know what to call it, okay? But... Um, when I go anywhere, like me and Nikki were in Sevierville, which was packed, by the way. You couldn't find a parking space at Walmart. Um, we went and stayed in the cabin. Somebody treated us and helped us do that, and, and we stayed in the cabin for a couple of days. And even along the way, every this is true, every coffee shop, like we're driving through Weirs Valley. We stayed in Townsend. We get through Townsend, Weirs Valley. I'm like, hey, such a coffee. there's a cafe. Hey, there's a coffee shop. Hey, there's a coffee shop. Like, I'm like looking anywhere I go, I'll drive out of my way. Like we went to Murfreesboro for my son's ball game. Well, I'm looking up Much Love Coffee because I'm like, I've always wanted to go there because that's where Job Garden gets their coffee. And it's one of my favorite coffees. And they're a roaster. Like, like I'll research these things and go, okay, if there's a somebody roasting their own coffee in town, I'm going there because they really understand and know coffee, right? If they're just a coffee shop, then it's questionable on what that's going to be. Um, so you just got to try it. If they have, if they actually offer like 
V60 pour overs, then, then you're like, okay, we're getting somewhere. Or if they understand what single origin uh, small batch roasted coffee is, because that, that gets, like if they understand those things, it's, I know I'm a coffee nerd, I get, I get it, okay? But it's something I love, okay? I can tell you about the coffee plants and planting them, picking the cherries, how they get the, 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 the whatever you call it, the flesh off the, the bean itself how different processes for drying that out and processing the beans and then roasting them and if you want light, medium, dark roast or how that goes. and So, so you can get into all this stuff, okay? All the way from grinding it because there's different ways you grind it depending on how you're going to actually brew the coffee. And then and you want a burr grinder, really, not a blade grinder. Okay, nerd, coffee nerd, okay? I love it. I love coffee, okay? All the way to... We got to experience going through a cupping. I know you're like, what in the world is that? That sounds kind of weird. Um, should men be doing that? Okay. Um, but I got to do that in Honduras, right? And and go through and, and test coffee and grade it and all that stuff. And it was just wonderful. Like, I love it. Anybody that knows me knows I love coffee, right? I mean, the coffee stains around the bottom of my teeth are like a, it's like a trophy to me, Okay. It's like, look at this. I'm like, I'm a real coffee drinker, okay? Or you can consider it like track marks on a junkie. Okay, same thing, okay? Maybe that's out of bounds. I don't know, okay? But I'm proud of those. Like calluses on a great guitar player. We'll go there, right? Okay? That's, that's, what, that's what I consider that, right? And, and, and so I will drive a long way for good coffee. It's like if I ask somebody to lunch, if I say, hey, let's go to lunch. If you ask me to recommend a place, for us to go eat, I'm going to recommend a place that probably has good coffee, okay? Or I'm going to just throw in, or we could just go for coffee. Like, we don't have to go to lunch, okay? But we're not just going to go sit somewhere and talk. Like, coffee's going to be involved. I don't care if I have to bring it in a thermos, okay? Any any of that. I just, I love coffee, okay? Any lunch spot I suggest, unless you're in Granger County, uh, for meeting here, it's kind of difficult, okay? I'll probably bring my own, okay? But you got those people who don't want to go for coffee. They don't drink coffee. And that's just people I can't be friends with. And it's that simple, okay? If you're a Christian, I'll see you in heaven. Everything's good, okay? It's okay. Some people are ball fans and love Smokey, right? They love Smokey the Hound. And some are Wildcat fans. But we'll all be together in heaven worshiping the Lamb. It's okay if we don't like each other over ball teams, right? But I'm going to try to persuade you. I'm going to try to persuade you. And I tell people. There's another pastor came up with this. Andy Stanley said this, and I loved it um, back when I used to listen to him. But he, he said, if you, if you don't love coffee, it's just because you've never had me make coffee for you. Okay? If you can put enough cream and sugar in coffee, it tastes like a donut. Okay? So you just got to, if you got to start there, you start there. But eventually it'll take over and you'll get to like good coffee, right? So, but I will never, here's where I'm, I hope you understand this, okay? Why this example, and we're going to get to the scripture here in just a minute. I will never force anybody to drink coffee, okay? I'll try to persuade you, but I'll never force you. I won't make you drink it, but you're going to hear about coffee from me, right? And we talk about, as people, we talk about things we love. We give praise to things we love to other people. 
Like we're going to talk to them about it. We're going to, they're going to, people know. Like I can look around and kind of, kind of, if I know you well enough, I know things you love. Okay? Because we talk about them. You just listen to somebody long enough and you'll hear what they love. And when you're around me, I know at some point you're going to hear about God and in specific about Jesus. And that's more important to me than coffee. And I won't force you to believe in Him. We won't part ways as friends, but you're going to hear about the one who changed my life. And that's the point of today for all of us who are a Jesus lover. The one thing we are talking about today is something everybody's looking for. Even the world outside of Jesus, like outside of our belief, like the whole world is talking about, is looking for purpose. And everyone in the world knows this. It's finding that one thing you can't do without. That one thing. I want to show you a movie clip, okay? Because this is one of my favorites. And what this does is prove, because this is a secular movie. This is the world. And they get it. They get There's something everybody's looking for. Right? And, and I love this clip because some of you or old enough to remember Billy Crystal, right? Say it with me. You look marvelous, right? If you remember Billy Crystal, Fernando, right? And then Jack Palance plays the cowboy in City Slickers. You remember those movies? And I want to, I'm going to show you the edited version of the clip because, of course, just referring you, if you go watch the movie, be careful with kids. There are some cuss words in there. It's not a real bad movie. There's a great point to the movie, okay? Um, but there is one cuss word in this deal. Um, so this is the edited version, but you'll get the, the point. Um, so watch this clip and, and understand what he's saying, because it's spot on. It's spot on. When there were cowboys, were a dying breed. Still means something to me, though. A couple of days... We'll move this herd across the river, driving through the valley. Oh, <laughs> there's nothing like bringing in a herd. See, now that's great. Your life makes sense to you. <laughs> My wife basically told me she doesn't want me around. Is she read it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, how old are you? 38. 39. Yeah. You all come off here about the same age, same problems. Spend about 50 weeks a year getting knots in your rope, and then and then you think two weeks up here will time for you. None of you get it. Do you know what the secret of life is? No, what? This. Your finger? One thing. Just one thing. That's great, but what's the one thing? That's what you've got to figure out. That's the world. Same thing. Looking for the one thing. The part of that you missed that had a cuss word in it, and it's a great statement, is, is in between that edit, he says, if you, if you find that one thing, everything else won't mean squat. We'll just say it that way. Okay? And that's the truth. I mean, that's, that's correct. 
See, the world knows. They don't just know that we need it. They, what they're looking for, what is that one thing? They just don't know that part. What is it, is it that fulfills you, gives you purpose, that satisfies you forever? The one thing that all people need is Jesus. You can take everything else away, and at the end of the day, all that really matters is Jesus. People just don't know that. And when I realize the one thing is Jesus for myself, when, I, when, I, when you get there, okay, the, the lens, the focus of our lives changes permanently when we get that. It should. If it hasn't, there may be something wrong. Okay? The church today, the people of God, have to get the one thing and have to get that everybody needs the one thing. Every person you know, every person you meet has a label on them. They probably can't see themselves. And it reads that they were made by Jesus and for Jesus. That's what they can't see. Everyone wonders, how did I get here? And why am I here? And Jesus is the answer. Where do I get that from? Well, from the Bible, of course. Colossians 1, I want to read you 15 through 29. There's one statement in here that, that says what I'm talking about. But I, this whole thing hopefully gets across to you what we're talking about. In verse 15, it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers and authorities. And of course, a Jehovah Witness, those kind of folks change their Bible. That's why they have their Watchtower Bible that they've changed because they can't, they take that out. They're not going to, they want, Jesus is a part of creation, not the one who made it all. But the Bible clearly says, if you translate it properly and don't change it, that Jesus created all things, that he is God. And it says, all things have been created through him and for him. So that's where I get that. He is before all things, in him all things hold together. You don't have it together, it's okay. Just follow Jesus, because he holds it all together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh, listen to this, what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. There's something lacking in Christ's afflictions. It's an interesting statement. Okay, There's a place in the Old Testament that refers to this as well. I have become its servant by the commission God gave to me 
to present to you the word of God in its fullness. So, so he says there's something lacking, and then listen where he goes. The mystery that has been kept hidden from ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has, listen to this, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Why? So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Notice that sharing your faith, proclaiming the gospel, results in being fully being mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Do you get the gist of that? What it's all about? What's lacking? Without Jesus, people will never experience what they were made to experience. Never. Never be anything they were made to be. Never do anything they were created to do. They won't find purpose. So you can you can drive up in a, you know, I'd, I'd love to drive up out here in a ZR1 Corvette, okay? Or you may be a Ford, like a Roush Mustang guy, okay? Or a Maserati, whatever it may be, okay? I'll take any of them. I'm not that partial, right? Do I have my preferences? Yeah, but a, a great car is just a great car, right? No matter who made it. I'll take anyone if you're giving them away, okay? They won't, but those things, those cars, Maserati, Corvette, Mustang, they won't be enough to get you everything God intended for your life. There is nothing on planet Earth that can fill the place in a soul that was made for Jesus. I mean, if you've been around church, you've heard that all your life, right? And that's because it's true, okay? The stakes are really high. I hope you get that. What the church is doing is of utmost importance on this planet. And I have stood on that and tried to pound that in our brains for and just remind us of that every year. The stakes are really high. I want T-Car to get that and keep their eyes focused on that. 1 Corinthians 9 is our scripture we're going to focus on for the next few weeks. Written by the Apostle Paul, was very successful in the world without Jesus. Like before he was a Christian, he was very successful, affluent family, best education, right friends, great businessman, great leader, uh, all that. But Paul had a very powerful encounter with Christ. And his conversion to the one thing, being Jesus, he was challenged by people in his authority to be an apostle and share the gospel and preach the gospel. Okay, He wasn't an original apostle, but was made one by Jesus, as he would say in his encounter with Jesus. And so then we jump to verse 15. That's what all he says at the beginning of that chapter, right? Verse 15, but I have not used any of these rights. What rights? He, he gave up here above, above this. He talked about his right to make a living from preaching, from being a pastor, from being a preacher of the gospel. That, that He says everyone has a right to make a living from what they do. So does a preacher, okay? So does a, 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 a someone who gets makes their living from the gospel. There's no nothing wrong with that. He goes through that, outlines that. 
in the verses above, that then he says he doesn't want to be paid, that's, it, that's his choice for his own convictions, okay? And so he goes on to say, and I am not, so he says, I have not used any of these rights, and I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me, for I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Listen to what he says right here. Like, I wish all of us would, would say, to, say this, okay? Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Now, I'm not talking about doing what I do up here every Sunday. But I'm talking about proclaiming the gospel, sharing the gospel with people. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I simply discharge, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this that in preaching the gospel I may offer it free of charge so and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Should pastors, preachers get paid? Yes. He says so very clearly here, but Paul was a tent maker, and so he used that so as not, he says not to be a burden on other people because he made a personal choice as an apostle not to make money by preaching. Okay, He wanted it to be all the more clear he was not preaching for material gain or selfish ambition. There are those that do that, okay? There's bad people in all professions, even pastors that don't get this right, okay? But then there are those who really strive for the gospel and for the church and to do their duty and, and do this right, and it's okay for them to be rewarded as such, as it says in Hebrews, if you go read it, okay? We don't have time for all that. Verse 19, though I am free and belong to no one. I love this, okay? I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. See, I don't have to. In Christ, I'm free. Like, he has set me free. I'm no longer under this yoke of slavery. Like, I'm not, I'm not under the law anymore. But he says, but I voluntarily make myself a servant to everyone. Why? Because I want them to know what I know. I want them to know Christ. So it's not about me. It's about me helping others find what I found. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like the one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. Isn't that interesting? He says, I'm not under the law, but... I'm, I'm under Christ's law. I'm not under that Old Testament, that law that used to be. I'm not under that law, but I'm now under Christ's law. I'm under Him. There, there's, there's a difference, okay, between the two. Christ came to fulfill the law. So there's things, we don't have to do all this stuff back here anymore. We follow Christ and what He commands. Okay? So as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. We're not going to win all of them, right? Just some. Most people are going to say no. Narrows the gate that leads to life and few there be that find it. So most people you share with are going to walk away. Okay? Wide is the gate that leads to the destruction. There's a lot of people on that road, right? <laughs> this is beautiful. We all, most of us know that verse. Do all things. I become all things to all people, so I might save some. 
listen to this. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. Which is, it's interesting. The word win here, to win some, is an agricultural term that means to like go to market. Okay, we're in Granger County. Hopefully you understand this, right? It means to go to market and you trade your goods, whatever you've brought to market, and you trade in a manner that you walk away with something of, of more value. That's what this term win in here means in the original language. It literally means trading up for something better. And for Paul, trading up is seeing people get the one thing, Jesus, doing all this for the sake of the gospel that he could share in its blessings. He's like, I'm becoming a servant and sharing Jesus, and I'm trading up. I'm helping them trade up, and I'm trading up. I'm giving up my life, and I'm trading up for Christ's life. It's, it's a trade up. I win. And in the process, other people win. They get it, right? Now you might share in the blessings of the gospel. So we try to trade people up into Christ for the sake of the gospel, and we can share the blessings of the gospel. And this is not trying to be like everyone else, to fit in, to just to be cool. Okay, that's not what this is saying. It's with a purpose of sharing the gospel. And I and I do it by all means possible, because there's some ways that aren't possible. There are boundaries. I'm not to sin and break God's moral law in trying to reach people. It says by all means possible. Okay? He says, I'm still under Christ's law. So I'm following Christ. I'm not violating what Christ says I should do in my moral behavior and how I'm supposed to act. But hey, the, the original reason I got into hunting, which I like now, I mean, I just do that and I enjoy it. But the original reason I got into hunting was back when I was a youth pastor and I went, well, if I'm going to be in full-time youth, youth ministry and I'm going to be in ministry and be a pastor one day in Granger County, i got to relate to people. So I'm going to start hunting and get me a truck. Okay, I mean, I'm just being honest with you. That was it. I was like, I'm just going to try to be like the folks at Granger County to, to reach some guys, to hang out with some people. You know, that was it. My love for coffee doesn't reach as many people in Granger County. Okay. So I have to, I have, I go, so over here, I'm going to do this, right? And so he says, I just, I'm wanting to see some people from whatever group I'm around to have a powerful encounter with Christ. And so that, that's what the challenge to you is, is to say, whatever group of people I'm around, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to demean what they do. I'm not going to put down who they are. Even if it's a bunch of teenagers on the phone and I can't really get their attention, okay? I'm not going to walk over and go, you stupid kid, you put them things up. You're killing your brain, right? No. We try to, I mean, get into the culture, right? I mean, if you're a missionary and you go somewhere, you get into their culture and, and be as they are so that you can share Christ with them. It's the same with our teenagers here in the United States. I think it's something we're learning is we have to realize their culture and not down them for their culture, but try to get into that culture to reach them for Christ that they could see life isn't found in here. Okay? Your purpose in life as a follower of Christ is to be like Christ. And what was the Christ? What did he do while he was on the earth? Luke 19.10, why did he come? 
to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his purpose. So as we're trying to be like Christ, that's our purpose. Okay? I'm trying to just give you a clear... I know all of you are going, Marty, it's so simple. We know this as Christians. We're supposed to do this. Well, why aren't you? Okay? Not only did Jesus come to give you His right for your wrong in dying for you, His righteousness for your sin, this divine transaction that takes place, all His placed on your life, and all yours placed on His life by dying on the cross in your place for your sin, but He also traded a purpose with you. He ascends and goes back to heaven and is praying for you that you would continue the purpose for which He came for, to seek and to save that which, which was lost. He traded that to you too. He went back to heaven and gave you the purpose to seek and save that which was lost. Your life that you thought would would satisfy you for the one thing that really will. It's all through the Bible, our purpose. Okay? The highest degree of what we're supposed to be doing during this time on this earth. Matthew 28, 19. It's the Great Commission, right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. How many disciples have you made since you've been a Christian? Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Why, why does it say that? What happens when we get saved? Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us, right? And gives you power to do this. The one thing. To live out the one thing. To be His witnesses. If you've got the Holy Spirit, it says you might if you decide to be His witnesses. Does it say that? No, it says you will be. What does it mean to be his witnesses? It means to share the gospel, you, to talk about him. And here's the thing, you th in your mind you're going, I don't know how, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. you got the Holy Spirit, don't you? You know who Jesus is, right? I mean, you're saying you, I mean, you know what, the, so you just, here's who Jesus is to me and here's what I understand. And the Holy Spirit empowers you to have that conversation with people, to see the open doors, to see those moments where you, you can step into that and share that. You can do this. It's very, it's a lot more simple than we think. We make it very complicated. We start thinking about politics and you know all these things and people this and where where our world is today. Just share Jesus. It's a lot more simple than we think. We think, well, I'm going to get myself in a position where I ain't going to know a lot of answers. You don't have to know a lot of answers. You got the answer. You don't have to know a lot of answers other than I know I'm I'm a witness of Jesus Christ because I know He has changed my life. You know, Jehovah Witnesses come to your door every other week, every four weeks, every month, every couple, however it works for you. They're like four times a year at my house, okay? And the only time I've ever been there that they show up is when I had the flu back in December, okay? 
a lady and her little kid. And it was like, you probably want to go away. Okay? Right? And so, but those, I mean, they're, they're persistent. Like they put us to shame. Right? In their, in their longing for people to know. Right? Because they think, for them, I know it's a works thing that they think earns them something, but should we not want to share the gospel so that we can share in the blessings of the gospel as well? Not to get us saved. But do we not want those blessings Paul's talking about? And they're, they're persistent. I mean, it's, it's, you don't have to have all the answers for them. Invite them in, sit down, talk. And, and here's the thing. Everything they say, just give them Jesus. Because what they're going to do is go, have you, have you considered, you know, the world's in terrible shape and, and, and we need, spiritually, we just, you know, we need to make sure we're secure and we know where we're going and, and, and just, just give it to them. Just say, hey, I, I know, isn't it not wonderful that Jesus is our foundation, is our rock. We can be secure in Him because He died on the cross for us. Isn't that wonderful? How bad an answer is that? I mean, and they're going to go into Ezekiel and Daniel and have you considered the, the things in Ezekiel? And yes, I have. You know, Ezekiel, dry bones. It's, it's, it's a great example of what Christ does for us when He brings us to life. We were dead in our trespasses and sins and then here Christ makes us alive just like those dry bones in Ezekiel. It is, it is wonderful. I'm glad you brought that up. See how easy that is? You don't have to go... Well, let's talk about all the prophecies and blah, blah, and this and that happened. And here's where he fulfilled that in the New Testament. Just give him Jesus. That's all you got to say is, I, know, I have experienced it. That's, that's wonderful. My security's in Jesus. He was God. He died for me. Jesus is wonderful. Just give him that answer every time. And they'll show back up in another few months, right? And they'll have some other thing for you to try to, you know, hey, coronavirus, you might die, you know, and it's rough. Yeah, so I'm thankful for Jesus. I mean, just keep just keep giving them Jesus. It's that easy. we think we got to have all the answers. Now, if you're you're if you're as good as Ken, you can sit and give them all that other stuff, right? And really confound them, okay? Or or they go into Jesus being the archangel, then you can go. Well, you brought up Daniel, so let's let's go there and talk about where it says Michael's one of the arch angels so there's more than one and jesus wasn't it okay there's ways to to talk around those things but you don't have to do that you can just give them jesus okay very simple but you think you can't do this you you don't believe god when he tells us in his word that you can lead people to jesus he said, I mean, he says that in his word. Go and make disciples. Be my witnesses. He's saying, just do that. You think you can't do that? You can. You just do you just reject that part of what the Bible says that you're supposed to be doing? Which is the main point. The Holy Spirit is in you for that very purpose. To give you power to do what? To be his witnesses. Power to proclaim the gospel. Power for purpose. One clear, compelling purpose. And if the church misses that part, if we miss this part, as the church, then we are just a social club that has an inward focus and the world around us will just keep searching and hurting. Jesus told us clearly, now that you are free, serve as many as possible so that you can win some by all means possible to Him 
if you never tell the story of of, of Jesus to people, people around you will never know the story of Jesus. If you love coffee, people around you are going to know you love coffee. Okay? It's not just having your... This is going to get weird. I'm just going to parallel it. It's not just having your coffee at home and going to the cafe by yourself secretly, right? And enjoying your coffee. And when you're around people that don't love coffee, you just don't say anything, right? About you loving coffee. I'm going to hide that I love coffee because these people don't love coffee, right? I'm just going to enjoy my my coffee when I can enjoy my coffee privately and nobody disturb my peace with my coffee, right? You know I'm talking about Jesus, right? I'm just going to enjoy my coffee and let people see me enjoying my coffee but never tell them about coffee, right? Now eventually you say something, okay, if you love coffee. You can't help but say something. If If you think that And I understand that we have to live it out in front of people. I get that part, okay? But understand this part too. If if you're in that mindset and and thinking, I'm just going to live it out in front of people and they'll see Jesus in me and that's the way they'll find Him, how's that working out for you? How many people have you seen baptized that you've led to Christ because you just lived it out in front of them but never said anything about Jesus? How effective has that been? It takes both, okay? you got to live it out in front of them. You build a relationship with them. But at some point, you have to open your mouth and tell them about Jesus. Or they don't know why you're the way you are, okay? At some point, you got to talk. Don't get caught either in that thinking of, well, it's God's job and there's the elect and He calls and He... he It does take God drawing people to Himself. I understand that part of it. And without that part, it doesn't work. But don't get in that mindset of it's God's job and He'll work it out. It doesn't matter if I tell them because God is sovereign and He'll figure it out whether I do or not, right? Yes, He is sovereign. And in His sovereignty, He has made a choice and said, this is how I'm going to do it. And I'm commanding you to open your mouth and share the gospel. That's how I'm going to do that. I'm not just going to sprinkle fairy dust on everybody that you walk by and they're going to get it, okay? His church, His people, to be the means He accomplishes sharing the gospel. And as the boss of that job, He has commanded us to go and tell, and that's the only way Scripture says, that's the only way Scripture says it's going to happen. You're going, God can't save somebody without me? We're not going to put him in that box. But for this time right now, what we're saying, Scripture says, it says in Scripture, how will they hear if you don't go tell them? Happy are the feet of those who bring good news. Scripture says that God has chosen in his sovereignty to say the church is going to go and tell and that's the way I'm going to share it. That's the way it's going to happen. That's the way I've chosen it. He says, how are they going to hear otherwise? Because I'm not doing anything else. I'm doing this through the church. On this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I'm choosing to use my church to share what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. That's what it says. So that's us. So if we don't do it, it's not happening. 
And we can sit in our little huddles and go, man, the community's awful and people are dying going to hell and they don't care. Well, who doesn't care? Them or us? How will they hear if nobody goes and preaches the gospel? That's what the Bible says. Don't you want happy feet? Right? I don't know what that means exactly. To have happy feet, but that's what the Bible says, right? Happier the feet of those bring good news. Maybe I'd run faster. I don't know. I'll try it. You want to share in the blessing of the gospel? That's what that means, to have happy feet, right? Then proclaim it to people. Not street corner yelling, track distribution. I'm talking about talking to people that God God will bring people. You like you go home and pray this afternoon, God, I want I want what what your word was talking about today. I want that to be me. God's going to walk people right in front of you. If you'll just open your eyes, you'll see it and you'll be amazed at what'll happen. I'm just telling you, okay? I, mean, I was at a store, I'm going to share this. I was at a store like in the last couple of weeks. And I'm there and and it's this easy Okay? I'm not going to tell you a story about there's no like thing at the end of this that somebody got saved and we're going to baptize them this morning. That's not, I'm, that's not where the story's going. But it's this easy in a conversation. I'm buying something at a store. They figure out, oh, this is for a church. You're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're working on something at the church. You're buying this for the church. Okay? Yeah. I, well, and they see the address. They see my address, right? Where, where it's coming from. Rutledge. Oh, you should live in Rutledge. I moved to Tate Springs area in that bean station. Now I live on Lakeshore. And in my brain, I went, this person knows I'm from a church, but voluntarily opened the door. But I live in Granger County too. Now I could have just bought my stuff and walked right on out the door, right? Because I'm in a hurry. I'm busy. My father-in-law is waiting for me back here at the office trailer over here to fix something. And I don't have time to do that because he might get aggravated, right? I need to hurry back. No. She just opened the door. That simple. So why not have a conversation? Really? You live in Grange County? Yeah. Well, you know where the high school is? Our church is right. Oh, yeah, I know where that is. Yeah, okay. Where are you from originally? Because you are you don't quite have the Granger County accent. you got some of it, but I'm from upstate New York. Really? There's some folks in our church from upstate New York. You are, Where are you at? Near Niagara, across from... No, I'm, I'm up a little bit over here a little bit, blah, blah, blah. See how easy that was? Did she get mad and go, I can't believe you just invited me to church and I'm at work. You get out of here, right? No, nobody did that. Right? So I'm looking forward to going back to the store. How you doing? I'd like you to meet my friends from New York. I'd like to invite you to Lowe's, okay? And so it's that simple. Do you see how easy that is? And eventually what you hope is, and it's out of, it's not out of, you know, I'm trying to triumph in this. It's, it's, I want people to know that God loves them, cares about them. We'll send somebody to Lowe's to buy something. Maybe for the purpose of just sharing with them what they're really looking for. It's really that simple. 
So don't just tell people about coffee. Tell them about Jesus, okay? Hopefully you'll do that. So let's pray together this morning. Father, would you just help us by your power? Would you move in us through your Holy Spirit? If we're, if we're really yours, then that's in us. That we would proclaim the gospel by the power of your Holy Spirit. Would you just help us to do that? Would you compel this church to build relationships with a purpose, to look for open doors, to be sensitive to open doors that people give us, to, to talk with them, to, to help them see what they're really looking for, to share the name of Jesus with as many as possible by all possible means that, that we might see some find that one thing for, for themselves. Would you give our folks the blessing of being a part of that happening? Father, help us not to just go through our day, but to see those people who are seeking, who are unfulfilled, who are longing for a purpose, and they're also hurting, Father. Would we see them as you see them? Just like the, the lady I was talking about a minute ago, would you help us all to see people like her, like you see them, you love them, you care about them, you want so bad you long for them so bad to know you and, and know the love you have for them. Would we just care about people like that? May we live for the one thing, which is your son Jesus. And so it's in his name we pray. Amen.